gospel lesson this morning comes from John 20, verses 19 through 31. Jesus appears to the disciples. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called one of the twins, one of, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. The gospel lesson on the second Sunday after Easter is always one of my, my favorite scriptures to preach. It's so full of possibilities. We have the disciples hiding in fear for their lives that the authorities may find them and crucify them as they did their Lord. We then have Jesus showing up to the disciples in that locked room, offering them comfort and offering them courage. And not only this, we experience the gospel of John's Pentecost. You know, the more traditional Pentecost is out of the book of Acts, where the, the Holy Spirit comes down on the disciples as a, a tongues of fire. But in the gospel of John, Jesus breathes his spirit upon those fear-filled disciples. He breathes new life into them. And this, this breathing in the gospel of John is the kind of breathing in the book of Genesis, where God breathes into a lifeless atom. 
It's the same kind of breathing when Elijah in 1 Kings resuscitates the widow's son with his breath. It's the same kind of breathing where in the book of Ezekiel, um, God breathes new life into the valley of dry bones. This passage is also pregnant with the grace of forgiveness. But the part of the story I want to share with you this morning is the story of Thomas. We're told that on the evening of the day Jesus was raised from the dead, the disciples were in a house behind locked doors. They feared for their lives. And Jesus appears to all of the disciples except for Thomas. He was not with them. We don't know why Thomas was not with them. But we know sometimes after Jesus had made, his, made himself present to uh, the 11 disciples, that those 11 uh, went out to find Thomas. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas, we know, doubted their experience. His response would have been something like, look, I saw Jesus hanging on the cross and I saw Jesus dead. And I'm not going to believe that you've seen a dead Jesus alive again. And what we discover here, something very important, I believe, in this exchange of Thomas and the other disciples, I think we learn that it is difficult to do faith Faith is an action word. To do faith without a community of believers to be with us. It's difficult to do faith alone. Theologian Paul Tillich said, we have considered the, the depth of the world and the depth of our souls, but we are only in a world through a community of people, and we can discover our souls only through the mirror of those who look at us. There is no depth of life without depth of common life. In other words, it's difficult, if not impossible, to do faith in isolation. God didn't intend for it to be like that. There are no long-ranger Christians. Uh, God created us for relationship and community. And we need one another upon our faith journey. You need me. That's great job security. You need me. But I need you too. We need one another, don't we? Romans 12, 5 says, In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This scripture is saying that we belong to one another, we need one another for our faith to be nurtured and be grown. And we see this in the Holy Trinity, don't we? We see this in how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit need one another and live with one another. They show us this in the scriptures. And Jesus teaches this when he says, where two or three are gathered, I will be in their midst. Without community, faithing, living a vibrant, fulfilling faith is a difficult thing to do. Thomas makes this clear to us. When the others shared their experience with Thomas, his faith would not allow him to believe what they had shared. He won't believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead, he says, until I see the wounds from his crucifixion. Now, even though Thomas was separated from the community of the disciples, and before we start giving Thomas that, um, that title, what? Doubter. Yeah. Let's remember. Let's remember the progression of the resurrection stories. First, Mary Magdalene discovers the empty tomb where Jesus had been buried and does not believe he was raised from the dead, but his body had been stolen. Then Peter and the beloved disciple, they run to the tomb, and they look in, they discover the tomb is empty, and they believe that Mary has told them the truth, that someone has stolen their, the body of Jesus. 
It's not until Mary, with the help of a couple of angels, by the way, realizes Jesus is standing before her. It's not until Jesus appears to the disciples gathered in community that they believe. And today we see it's not until Thomas appears, uh, Jesus appears to Thomas in the community of the believers that he comes to understand the resurrection of Jesus. It's a wonderfully passionate progression of God gently entering the lives of humankind. And then gradually, we catch on to it and we begin following him. It's almost reminiscent of how our Lord came into the world in the first place, right? He came into the world by a common woman in a crude, crude, crude cave uh, from a nowhere town. And it's as if he was particularly persistent to make God's self known to others in the world, to show that God loved them. In other words, if the people do not believe in God and in God's Son shown to them in one way, God can get really creative, and God will make a way for us to come to believe in him. We see this from the scriptures where God is persistent in making ways for people to come to know God, that we are unique creations, and faith come to us in myriad ways. Now, something critically uh, important here is that in the resurrection stories, we do see a compassionate confrontation of our Lord. Those who did not believe that he was raised from the dead, he did not judge. <clears throat> in fact, Jesus was patient. He was comforting. Jesus heard the tears of a grieving Mary. He saw the fear on the face of the disciples. And he saw a doubter in Thomas. And still he made himself available to them where they were. What we know from the resurrection story, if we don't know anything else, is that Jesus is in the business of meeting people where they are, meeting us where we are. He's like a good doctor. A good doctor realizes that it would be ludicrous to give everyone the same prescription for their particular illness, wouldn't it? It's just, it doesn't make sense. Jesus knows that we are unique creations of God, and God may show himself to us in diverse ways. According to the Gospel of John, this is the way Jesus handles doubt. He offers us what we need, not always what we want, but what we need in order to have faith in him and to be faithful to his call upon our lives. In fact, the last verse of this passage I think is powerful. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so you may come to know, to believe, Jesus is Messiah, you may have faith and life in his name. You know, I think the reason I like preaching on the second Sunday of Easter is I feel real at home with the characters in this story. I've been like Mary in my grief, where my dreams and hopes have seem to have died sometime. I have found at times difficult to believe in a Lord that would come to me, but at my lowest, I somehow hear him call my name. I've been like the disciples, overwhelmed with fear, thinking I'm not good enough or found wanting. I, I don't have what it takes to be a good disciple of Jesus. And I've locked myself away from the challenges of life so I wouldn't fail. And then somehow the risen Lord shows up, usually through the community of the church. He shows up compassionately. 
I've been like Thomas where I've isolated myself from the community of the church and from those who love me the most. And Jesus somehow shows up and reminds me that the wounds that were healed in his resurrection by God are the same wounds by which I am saved through the resurrection. I'm made whole and complete, and you are too, by the resurrection, by the wounds of his crucifixion. And I know my story is not unique. You know those, those things of grief. You know those things of fear, those things of doubt. And you know what? It's all right. It is okay to doubt. It is okay to fear. <clears throat> Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote, There lives more faith in honest doubt, believe me, than in half of the creeds. But I like Frederick Beekner's way of putting it best. Beekner says, Whether your faith is that there is a God or that there is not a God, if you don't have any doubts, it, um, you are either kidding yourself or you're asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. So if you're struggling today with your faith, if you're here with grief and fear and doubt, Thomas shows us a way to recognize the Lord in our lives. First and foremost, to recognize him in the community of the believers. It's when he rejoined that group, he was remembered to his community of friends that he was able to see the raised Jesus. It's in the community of the church, our community of faith, through our prayer, our missions, our ministries, that we are formed and molded and we recognize Jesus in our world. The good news about the church of Jesus Christ is on our best day, we don't judge those who have fear and questions and doubt, do we? We embrace them. We invite them to come alongside of us because you know what? We have fear and doubts too, don't we? So we journey together. <clears throat> and I'll say here, Coming to worship in corporate worship like this is wonderful, it's important. But I would encourage you to find a small group to be in. Uh, we have a pretty good spiritual formation pastor. Okay? And if you need to know where a small group will be, you ask this gentleman over here. He'll help you. He'll, he'll let you know. And by the way, if there's a group that's meeting, if there's a, a, an interest you have that a group is not meeting, start one. Begin one. Because, by the way, you may not be the only one in need of that group. So, today, this is for us doubters. To those of us who have seen hopes and dreams fade, as Mary did. <clears throat> to be afraid, just as the disciples were. To doubt, as Thomas did. When we admit this, when we confess this, that we cannot redeem our own brokenness, it is then that Jesus comes to us and says, as he said to Thomas, Blessed are you. Blessed are you, not because of what you've done or what you haven't done, but just because I love you. Blessed are you. And Thomas gives us the first proclamation after the risen Lord of who Jesus is when he says, My Lord and my God. Jesus says to us today that he desires for us to have a beautiful, meaningful, wonderful life full in the grace of God so we can too share that life with others and they can come to know in their own lives this same grace and this mercy.
Let us pray. God of the risen Christ, we thank you and we praise you for how persistent you are to show yourself to us. So however it is, in whatever way you're able to break into our lives, help us trust you with that. Breathe your Holy Spirit on us today, O oh God. Breathe on us your spirit that invites us to open our lives to you, where we allow you to Easter within us so we can share your love with those who need it the most. I offer this in the name of the risen Lord, he who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.